Okay, if you've already not already done so, if you want to take your seats again, that'd be very helpful. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Adrian. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm married to an amazing woman called Lucy, and we have three children, uh, all of different ages, as they often are, aren't they? And so our kids now are kind of hitting more teenage years, and so um, we've got a, a child that's only 14, uh, who's a girl, one that's uh, 12, and then another one that's nine, nearly 10, and so we've got girl, boy, girl. Um, one of the things I found in terms of the privileges of having kids is you get to learn things through them, and you also get to kind of go through that kind of breaking point as well. And what I mean by that is this, is that when they were five and under, basically their expectation of me was phenomenal. Like they genuinely believed that I could do anything. And I know some of you find that hard to believe that couldn't be the case, but like they genuinely believed that I could run faster than everyone because whenever we did a race, they knew that I was always holding back when I was running alongside them. They knew at any point I could accelerate off and that I was faster than Usain Bolt. They just knew that I was incredibly fast. It wasn't just in terms of my speed, it was also in terms of my strength. Whatever they tried to lift, they knew that I could lift easily, often with one hand. Often I would lift all three of them with one arm. They thought, this man is incredibly strong. (laughs) To be honest, there doesn't need to be any justification of anything I'm saying. I'm not going to lower myself to what Mike's talking about, photo evidence. Lucy says, my wife says, she has no memory of this. Honestly, it happened. (laughs) Because of the humility I live with, I I never showcased it to others. I just allow my children to see it. Um, But not only in terms of my speed, my strength, it was also in respect to my resources. Like, whatever they wanted to do, they thought, man, dad will make this happen. In their eyes, I had an unlimited bank account. In their eyes, I could kind of do anything. That if there was a problem, he would solve it. I was about to do a vanilla ice impression there because I just realised there was a tagline there. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, go online, listen to Ice Ice Baby, you'll hear what that line is. Um, But get back on task. You see, with my children, five and under, there was just this expectation that actually I could just about do anything. I was limitless in my ability, in my speed, in my strength. However, as they got older, they started to realise that I have limits. And their expectations of me have decreased. Their expectations of what I can do have decreased as they've realized my inability to do things practical. And so they've realized that actually this is a moment not to ask dad, but let's call granddad. We've... Just for those of you who don't know, though, my dad's called Mike Hurst. He's a very capable man. I've learned that and learned to think, well, I won't bother learning. I'll just get him to do everything. And my children are learning the same thing. Um, but they, <laughs> the, they've realized that I have limitations in terms of what I can do. I have limitations in my strength. They've realized that they, there are some things that I just can't lift. I have limitations in my speed. They realize that when they watch me do a half marathon. They've, over time, as they've got to know more about me, they've realized that I'm not limitless, that I'm actually very limited. And this morning, what I want us to do, which I think is what Paul wants us to do through these verses of Ephesians we're going to look at, is that actually we're to live with the exact opposite expectation of God. That actually the more and more that we look at who God is as our Father, the more and more we're going to understand that He is limitless. That we're to live with God, not with reducing expectations, but with great expectations. 
That's what we've kind of, I've been told this morning, that we're, to be, we're crafted to live with great expectations, but not in the kind of Dickensian way, the Dickens book of great expectations, which is this tragic story of an individual, Pip, who kind of has these high expectations of what his life's going to be like, and then by the end realizes that all his expectations were totally flawed. And nothing came to be. Rather, we're to live with a sense of expectations that are very great, with an understanding they're rooted in one who can accomplish everything. Now, with that in mind, before we jump into the passage, I also want to set, kind of join the dots of where we've been over the last couple of weeks. So if you're around a few weeks ago, you'll know that we looked on our Vision Sunday, which is a great Sunday, and kind of looked at what, what's the kind of word, banner word that we're going to live with this coming year. And we said that this year we're going to live with this word, building. And we're to live with this deep sense of God wanting to build in and through us. And what we said is we're going to build in these four different directions. And over the past kind of few weeks, we've looked at these. So a couple of weeks ago, Mike kind of looked at the next part of Ephesians and explained what it looks like to build with breadth. Of understanding who we're to be as a community is to continuously celebrate and look for diversity. Never living with an attitude of, well, they're different to me, therefore they're not welcome. Or living with an attitude of us and them, but rather understanding we're to be this bunch of people who are richly diverse. Understanding we have this connection through Jesus. So we're to live building with depth. Then we last week we looked at building with depth. Of understanding we're to be those that live with this under, uh, deep knowledge that we are rooted and established in love. That everything of who we are comes out of this foundation of who God is, who is love. And that love is something that we're to live in. A love that we're not only to live in, but to continuously explore. And as we looked at last week, it's a love that is inexplorable. In other words, it's a love that actually, the more and more we look at it, the more and more we understand that we don't know of it. Therefore, we get an eternity to explore the wonders of the dimensions of God's love. And the promise is, as we understand and live in more of his love, he comes in and lives in more of us. So that we have God himself come and live within us in his life, in his love and his power. And that would only ever increase as we understand more and more of his love. And so we looked last week at what it means to build with depth. This week I want to look at what it looks like to build in respect to the kingdom. And this next part of Ephesians that we're going to look at, which talks about these great expectations we're to live with. I want to earth in how we seek to reveal and live in God's rule and reign, which is his kingdom. And we'll get to explain a bit more what I mean by kingdom in a moment, but that's where we're going. We're going to look at building the kingdom, which is given a different perspective as we look at Ephesians 3, verses 20 to 21. So if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to it, otherwise it will appear on the screens now. And I'll read it. Paul starts, Now to him, that's God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that is a work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's a few people. Amen. Amen. Amen basically means I agree. It's not kind of some mystical word. It's just generally that like, I've heard that I agree with that. Paul can't help get to the point of once he's finished just penning this down. says, Amen. I agree with what I've just written. This is amazing. And this would have been read orally to groups of churches. And my guess is when they got to that point, they're all like, Amen! I agree too. Obviously, in their language, they wouldn't have used Amen in our language. But in it, what Paul's doing here 
is actually using a moment to declare how amazing God is. Now, there's two ways you can share someone or tell someone else how amazing someone is. So if I was to take, I don't know, let's take an example, Gus. And I would say to you, Gus is amazing. You might think, well, maybe, he kind of is. But if I was to say, Gus is someone who's always for you, who always has your back, who's always believing the best of you, who's always seeking to say, come on, we can go further than this. That's why he is amazing. You start to think, oh, maybe Gus is amazing. Maybe I should make a better friend of Gus because maybe he could be that for me. And Paul in these verses is basically doing that. He's saying, well, God is amazing. God is amazing, but I don't want you to just hear that. I want you to know it because God is one who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. And he's like that, which means that he is one to be gloried through us, the church, through Jesus Christ and all that he's accomplished throughout every generation forever and ever. Amen. And Paul says, God is so amazing. God is one to be gloried in. God is one to be honored because of who he is. And the more we discover of who he is, the more we want to celebrate him because this is a celebration that will go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And in it, it's understanding this, what I want to do is earth it in respect to the expectations we have, therefore, of God's rule and reign, his kingdom, working out in us and through us in the unique places we're in. But to do that, just take a park for a moment in terms of what am I talking about in respect to kingdom? Because maybe we've come this morning, we all have different ideas and think, well, God's rule and reign, okay, but what does that look like? Well, let's kind of pause for a moment, look at a different passage in Colossians 1, uh, verse 13, which kind of reveals something of the fact that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we move locations. We move locations from one kingdom or dominion into a new kingdom or dominion that's under a rule and reign, and that rule and reign is God. But as such, it isn't just literally we kind of walk around thinking, oh, right, I come in the rule and reign of God. It's actually, it means that it concretely changes something about who we are and how, where we live from. And so in this verse, Paul writes to the church in Colossians for them to understand they've been, what, 1.13, we've been rescued, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. What Paul loves to do is just use very quick illustrations to kind of reveal something wonderful about what God's done in and through every single one of us who've put our faith and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And in this, what he says is actually we've been those who've gone from what? A dominion, a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of love. And in that, you can interchange, and looking at different passages, you can interchange that kingdom of love to one of light, That's what I want to do here because actually it helps us just quickly understand what kingdom we've changed from to. Because actually you, all of us understand what it is to be in a place of darkness. Not like little darkness, not kind of, though it's been talked about, kind of the darkness of the city where there's still street lamps on and you think it's okay. But I mean pitch black darkness. 
The kind of darkness that someone like me finds myself in often because I don't quite think through the consequences of what I'm going to do. And so often at the cricket ground, I find myself in places where I realize that I've found my way into a place that I'm not necessarily meant to be, usually in back here, behind this room. Uh, there's some kitchens. And I find my way through there because I'm trying to find my way into this room in a cheeky little snort shortcut. But the problem is, as I find my way in, I've not flicked on any lights. And the thing is, through there, there is no natural light. And so when there's no natural light and you haven't flicked on the lights, you are in pitch darkness. And suddenly, in that pitch darkness, I realize that I am totally disorientated. I don't know where anything is. I'm kind of suddenly listening to every creak and every kind of weird noise and thinking, am I actually alone here? Is there something else going on? And I find myself, and then I find myself bumping in to everything, because it's actually a kitchen. And I find myself bumping into sides and cookers and things and thinking, man, this is bruising me. I should have just turned on the light. And the thing is, that sense of what can happen in the natural of darkness is meant to be revealing of what it was like before we were in Jesus, of the place that we dwelt, a place of darkness that was characterized by fear, by restlessness, by isolation, by despair, and by death. Now, this morning, I haven't got time to kind of look at this in detail, but rather I want us to just kind of understand that's where we were. Or maybe for some of us, I'm provoking us and saying, maybe if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's where you are. Maybe at that point you think, this is not right. You can't say that about me. Fine, come and talk to me at the end and we can talk through more. But maybe hang in there and see if what I'm saying sometimes feels true about our life. And maybe there is this hope that's even brought us here this morning that allows us to say, actually, I don't want life to be as it is. Maybe there's something better and it's this better that we're being called to, which is this other kingdom of the sun that's characterized by his love, that's revealed through his light. It's all about love rather than fear, rest rather than restlessness, belonging rather than isolation, hope rather than despair, and life rather than death. See, this is what it looks like, that we're now part of his kingdom. His rule and reign means that we get to live lives that are filled with his love, his rest, belonging to him forever. The hope that there is something better always to come. And this life that we get to know that it is eternal. And it's this kingdom that we're now part of that we get to understand is there for all. It isn't for just us in this room. It's available to everyone. For everyone. God's heart is for everyone to be in his kingdom and to know the goodness that we know. But also it's a kingdom that's actually to break out and be seen in all. See, it isn't just limited humanity. This kingdom rule of God is actually to break out through the whole of the earth, through the whole of the universe. We see it at the end of the Bible in Revelation 21, 22, where we find that actually, finally, God has recreated everything as meant to be, created everything anew. And in it, himself has become the light. Why? Because this is now is fully his kingdom of light. The whole of the earth is just showered with his light in order that it would be a place where all of his rule and reign is revealed. So you find through that is a place of beauty, of comfort, of healing, of unity, of belonging, of all the things that we know now. It's there. And it's from that place that we're saying this coming year, we want to build. We want to build in more of us. 
inside of us to say this is the place we're living from, from God's rule and reign. But we also want to understand that it's, this is the kingdom that we're then called to reveal wherever we've been uniquely placed of saying this is, the pla- this is the kingdom we want to reveal through us in every place we're placed. In our workplaces, in our recoveries, in our streets, in our shops, in our families, in our households. That we want to reveal this kingdom that we're now part of in order that others would be drawn into it. Why? Because it's good. And so in it, let's go back to this prayer then. Because how we're to build, how we're to build this kingdom in us, how we're to build this kingdom through us, is actually really helped through this prayer of Paul because we're actually to build with a sense of expectation. Verse 20 says this, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So in a moment, we're going to root this a bit more in terms of God's kingdom in us and God's kingdom through us. But we need to understand that with this, this we're to live with an expectation of what God wants to do in us and through us. An expectation that is actually beyond anything, Paul writes, that we could ever ask or imagine. The thing is, at this point, I could get all heated and say, come on, we ask and imagine. How big is your ask? How big is your kind of imagination? It's bigger. But I just wonder, before we get to that point, let's take a point of reality. See, I wonder whether actually in building God's kingdom, we find ourselves limited in terms of this God that we come to ask before, this God who we become to imagine before. I wonder if I, to be honest, limit what I believe God wants to reveal of his kingdom in me and through me. Because what I find is I make a God of my making, a God that I place in a box, a God that I place on a shelf and say, actually, this God... That's who God is. That's the God that I'm coming to ask before. That's the God I'm coming to kind of imagine before. And what I find is in that God, I I, I come before a God where I think, actually, I don't know if I deserve. I don't know if I deserve more of you working in me, more of you working through me. I look at how my life is. I face the good, the bad, and the ugly. and I I don't know if I deserve this. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's through my disappointment. Oh, see... Isn't Colin nice? <laughs> he was thinking of me. He's thinking how weak I am. I'm not going to be able to hold that box <laughs> for the entire time. <laughs> I was starting to feel it, to be honest. Um, there's, there's a lot of weight in there. Um, do we find it's disappointment? It's by the fact that life hasn't gone quite how we expected it to. And what happens is as life doesn't quite go as we expect it to, it starts to cause us to think, well, therefore this is about how I see God. And this impacts how I see who God is, how this Father is. We find that it isn't just through disappointment. It's also through that I don't know. Well, that, that's kind of the nice way of putting it. I'd put it a different way. I'd pay fear. The fear of actually, if I really do this, is God going to come through? If I really do this, what are people going to think about me? Both people who don't know Jesus and people who do know Jesus. Let's be honest, sometimes it can be both. A fear of, are people going to think I'm really going for it now? Are people going to treat me differently in the church? Or people who don't know Jesus, are they just going to think I'm nuts? And we say, actually, I, I don't know what this is going to look like, therefore I'm not going to 
step forward. I'm not going to build in this way. I'm going to limit who God is. I'm going to put him in a box because I don't know what it's going to look like. And then lastly, have we done that one? We haven't, have we? Well done. Just checking. It's down to me. That ultimately, this rule and reign of God, all that I've seen and known in myself, actually it's just down to me now to reveal. It's down to me now to kind of live in the good of. And therefore, if, if I'm limited anything, it's because of me. Because I've just not done enough here. And if we're not careful, we can allow this box of who God is, of four Ds, to actually determine who we come before as God. To determine how we're going to seek to build God's kingdom in us and through us. And Paul says, get rid of the box. Don't allow those Ds to determine who God is. Don't look inward. Don't look in yourself and say, well, this is what I've known. Therefore, this is who God is. Rather, at this point, we're going to look up and say, actually, who is it God is? Who is this God who's able to do more, immeasurably more? Just so we know that kind of immeasurably more, that word more is infinitely more. In other words, that endlessly, beyond anything, keeps going on and on and on. That's the more we're talking about here. That to get to that point of not being limited through what we've known of ourselves, but rather lifting ourselves up and saying, well, this God who can do infinitely more than I ask, infinitely more than I can imagine, this is the one I come before. And to get to that point, to get rid of the box, we have to look up. And we look up, and in those moments as we look up, we remember a few things. I'd say we look up and we remember our salvation. The fact that actually every single one of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was powerless. We could do nothing to make ourselves right before a holy and righteous and pure God who is pure and loving because we knew that actually in ourselves we never were that. And actually God did immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. He actually came and lived on earth, lived as one of us, in order that he could make a way for every single one of us to know peace with him. So we look at our salvation. We look up at the Bible. doesn't mean we have to read like that. I mean that we actually read it. Why? Because it reminds us about the wonder of who God is. Just read the gospel accounts. That's why I'm reading through at the moment. Through John at the moment. It just does you good because you look and you think, this is God, this is Jesus. And he wasn't limited he was unlimited in his moments of compassion. Even when he got to points of human exhaustion and then meeting a huge crowd and it just says, at that point, we're always friends and saying, come on, let's just rest for a bit. Just send them away. And he's saying, no, no, I'm filled with compassion for them. He's one who's limitless in love and compassion. One who is limitless in his provision and power. Whether it's power to feed 5,000 people, whether it's power to take control over nature, whether it's power to heal people, whether it's power to liberate and free people. Find Jesus is able to do it. Find Jesus is able to come and alongside people and say, actually, where others are judging and saying you're not good enough, I say, come on, you can know a totally new life here. I say, now live not in how you've been determined to live, but now live in this new life. You find these remarkable stories. People that everyone else points their finger to and say, oh, they're rubbish, they're rubbish. And Jesus comes alongside and says, you're valuable. Come and live as I want you to live. That's the, that's the God we're talking about. 
Then we look at the Old Testament, you find these incredible moments of God just breaking through, of God doing the supernatural. And then you get to the end of the book and you find, oh, and then one day God's going to make everything new just as he's made you and I new. He's going to do it through everything. See, this is the God that we're to look up at. This is the God that we can walk around. And I say, just walk around and look at nature. I think this is amazing. Look up and look at the stars and space and the universe. I think this is amazing. Because there's one who's behind it who is the creator. And we get to be not limited by looking at who he is and then look at each other. Hear from each other. Hear and share stories. That's the whole point of us living in community together. That we get to share stories of knowing God's comfort in the hard times. Knowing God's breakthrough as well. Knowing those moments of saying, but God... And it does us good as we hear one another's stories because we look up and we say, oh, this is the God who can do more than we ask or imagine. But it's not only to impact our expectation, it's also to impact the sense of resource we've got to live with to do this. This is the bit that I think is so helpful. So Paul continues in terms of, next part, he says, verse 20, according to his power that is at work within us. See, God is wanting us to understand that he wants to reveal more and more of his rule and reign, his kingdom in us and through us, by us understanding that he wants to do way more than we could ever ask or imagine, way more than we could ever contemplate. And he wants to do that through giving us the resource to see it, not by him just coming and saying, in spite of us, God's going to move and have power over here. And so we're thinking, oh yeah, God, we'd love to see you kind of break out more in my workplace. And we think, oh, God's going to come and do that. Going to do it over there. I'm waiting and I'm watching. Where's God going to come? He's going to come in his power. Come in his power. So I don't know why I do that. This seems a bit weird. Um, But actually what Paul writes here is, he says, no, he's going to come in his power that is at work within us. Within you. Within you. That's how God's going to do it. Not by just coming randomly and just kind of in the midst of nothing, just power coming. No, he's going to come through his power at work within you, within me. What's that power like? Well, Ephesians 1, 19, 20 says this about that power. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The power that's at work in you the power that's at work in me is the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the power. We really have got the power. And that power is one that brings new life. That's what it does. It calls one who is dead to know new life. But not just new life that was the same as the old. A totally brand new life. You only have to look at the resurrected Jesus to see he is a new life. He could appear in rooms. He physically ate. But he also had power over everything. This is one who's now seated in control of everything. This is the one whose power we've now got within us. So that we now get to bring new life, not only in us, but in everything else. This is what it means then that we get to build kingdom. See, it means that we get to apply it and say, this is what it looks like for us to build God's kingdom in us. It means for you and me, We get to understand that we get to live continuously understanding and living in more and more of God's rule and reign in our lives. Living from the place of identity that he's given us. An identity of love, of rest, of life, of hope. And we get to live in that now. 
not determined by what's happened to us or what others think of us. No, we, we get to live out of that place of saying, no, this is who God has called me to be. This is who God's destined me to be because I'm now part of his kingdom. And he wants to give me the power, which is that same power that resurrected Jesus. He wants to give me that resurrection power in me to live in the good of this. Just for a moment, imagine who you could be. Imagine who you could be if you were completely living in the wonder of the kingdom of God in your life. Of God's reign fully revealed in you. What if what would it look like? What would it feel like? Just imagine that for a moment. Here's the deal. God wants to do way more than that in you. That's like the smallest scale of what God wants to do in you, in me. Because actually you could times that by 20, you could times it by 50, you could times it actually by infinity. And that's what God wants to do in you. But it's also what God wants to do through us. So it's actually that God wants to build his kingdom through us. So the same thing applies. That actually God wants to cause every unique place we've been placed to be a place that, where we get to reveal the wonder of his kingdom, of his rule and reign, of his comfort, his life, his love, his beauty, his unity, his power, his healing. We get to bring that wherever we are. Why? Because his power that brings about new life is in us to then do that. Think about where you, you are uniquely placed, your street, the shops you shop in, your workplace. Let's do the exercise again. What do you most imagine you could see happen there? Do you remember? Because you've learned from the last time, and you're thinking, no, I thought a lot bigger now, Adrian. I know where this is going. I thought really big. Man, however big you thought of God transforming your workplace, of God transforming your street, of God transforming the shops you shop in, actually, it's still limited because you could times it by infinity, and that's what God wants to do in and through you. Why? Because we then get to celebrate in the King. Verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, the point isn't that we get to see God's kingdom being built more in us. The point isn't that we just get to see God's be- kingdom being built more through us that we then get to think, oh yeah, look at celebrating us, celebrating what we've done, celebrating what we've seen. Rather, it causes us to have our eyes kind of lifted more and more to him to say, isn't it all in celebration of the king of this kingdom? Isn't it all in awe and wonder and glory of who he is? Because the more and more we see, the more and more we live in the wonder of who he is, the more and more we see the wonder of who he is breaking in in the world around us, it causes us to see how good he is and how worthy of our praise and glory and honor he is. So that we too, like Paul gets to this point, say, amen, 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 because the more we see, the more we're filled with just the knowledge of his kingdom, the more we see his kingdom breaking out on this earth, the more it causes us to say, let's celebrate in him, which is why you get to the end of the book and you finally see how it's meant to be. And God reveals the fullness of his rule and reign in and through everything. And the only fitting response is, worthy is the Lamb. All praise and honor and glory to him. For what? 
forever and ever and ever. It'll only ever go one way. Celebration in the wonder of who he is. Therefore, we are crafted for great expectations. Let's not limit them this year. Let's go on a path of discovery and saying, God, we want to see more and more of your kingdom built in us, your kingdom built through us, because as we do, we will celebrate more and more in who you are. Can I pray for us then we'll end? God, I thank you so much for your presence amongst us this morning. I thank you you promised that because you promised wherever we gather, you'll be. And I thank you that when we gather to you, your greatest desire is to lift our eyes from ourselves to you. I thank you how you did that in worship where we just got to that point of just continuously celebrating and saying actually be high and lifted up regardless of circumstances. We say we want you to be high and lifted up in our lives. And I pray God that this coming year as we seek to build your kingdom, I pray that we'd see your rule and reign more and more established in us. I pray we'd see your rule and reign more and more revealed through us. But in it, God, I pray that through it all, we'd celebrate more and more in the wonder of who you are as a king. We thank you for who, how good you are. And we thank you we haven't tasted anything yet. Amen.